2: Welcome back to a very newsy chin music show. This is our baseball show at talknorth.com. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. The star of the show is Roy Smalley, former Twins star, current Twins broadcaster. Uh, Lavelle Neal III, key third member of the team, uh, may be joining us lately, but we're going to get rolling without him here today because we have so much we want to get to. Uh, We just found out that it will be uh, Max Kepler, Trevor McGill, Uh, Caleb Thielbar and Emilio Pagan, who will not be joining the team in Toronto because they are unvaccinated and on the restricted list. My information is that Joe Ryan also is unvaccinated and will just remain on the COVID list that he was already on. They don't ha- but it, it because he was already on the COVID list, they don't have to announce him as an unvaccinated player. It's my personal uh, belief that he is an unvaccinated player. So the Twins on uh, a very rough stretch here are now heading to Toronto to play a very good team without Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Max Kepler, Alex I mean, sorry, Carlos Correa, uh, and some other injured players. Uh is this it's so easy in sports talk, Roy, to talk about crises. As bad as things are for the Twins right now, it still doesn't feel like to me like a crisis because they still have a, a lead in the division. They still have time to kind of recoup whatever losses they have this week.
1: Yeah, you'd hate to see them give up too much ground in the meantime, but they're scuffling right now. You know, to get their you know first place caliber players on the in lineup uh, every day, and that's been the case here for. You know a couple of weeks and you know they're holding their own and they're, uh, they're still pitching pretty well, despite you know, despite uh, giving it up yesterday, uh, you know, late in the game. It really has been more of an issue of uh, uh, lack of offense because you know they're uh, for a lot of reasons missing players, uh, being you know, prime the, the primary one, and uh, of course, uh, Buxton and Polanco aren't swinging the bats the way they can that would worry me more than you know th- this particular this particular stretch. I think uh, they could end up having a tough time in, in Toronto, they get back home, they'll have some uh, they'll start getting guys back and and um, hopefully they'll they'll, uh, they'll start swinging the bats. I think that's a that, that's a little bit more of a concern for me
2: right now. Yeah, they just haven't been scoring runs and that that is a problem. Uh, this is TalkNorth.com. Subscribe at your favorite podcast app. That is the easiest way to listen. It is also free. You can also go to talknorth.com. Find all the shows, all the archives of all the shows. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sales executive, Karen Cleary. Uh, and thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors. Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Perfect Ash, Lavelle's favorite cigar shop. So we can't pretend that all former players or all current players or all current Twins players all have the same opinion. But Jim Cott said something interesting on the broadcast the other day from Detroit. He said, you know, what you don't want to have happen is you get to late in the season and you end up regretting that you maybe lost one game you shouldn't have lost because a bunch of players decided not to get vaccinated and couldn't take the trip to Toronto. Uh, Do you view that potential problem as a, a major issue in the twins clubhouse or, or will major league players just treat this almost like, you know, a minor injury that somebody suffered that just took them out of action for a few days?
1: You know, I don't know how players are going to react to that. I, I, um, I know how uh, I would in, in this particular uh, instance um, it, with COVID. I mean, my personal feeling is, and would have been, and and would still be, if I were on the team, that you know people have to decide uh, for themselves what what they're going to do. You know, I mean, and, and uh, I can't, as a player, I couldn't tell somebody uh, it, it, that doesn't believe in this particular vaccine that, you know, to uh, subvert their, their opinions about what they want to do with their own health for the good of, you know, winning some more ball games in, in Toronto. I, I just, I, I don't know what other players, yeah, you're going to regret that you, uh, at the end of the season. Absolutely. You're going to, you're re- going to regret that. Um, I, I think the, uh, the personal, Personally, I, I, my this is just my feeling, and people can feel however they want. I, I don't know how uh, how the, the great bulk of players are going to feel, but my personal feeling is that, was, that really sucked that we didn't have those guys, but that's their decision.
2: So let's get to the hitting because I think the hitting is, as you said, the bigger problem for this team right now. They just are not scoring runs. They have a, a potentially talented offensive team. They have some guys slumped, some guys have been hurt, some guys have been – on the COVID list. Some guys are now not going to be, you know, obviously Kepler and not having Kepler in Toronto will hurt, but we have to start with Buxton. Uh, he looked like he was the best player in the world for a while. And now he looks like he cannot, uh, cannot hit a ball hard fair. Uh, what are you seeing out of him right now?
1: You know, we talked about this a little bit uh, uh, last week. And, um, and just from a, from a mechanic standpoint, I, I've, I've always felt uh, that, Uh, he's going to be a little bit streaky uh, because of uh, because of the his uh, swing path. And it basically is, uh, for the most part, set up for uh, fastball speed to be hit, you know, to his pool field. And we can we can see guys like. Uh, Miguel Sano or others who have that approach and it, and it, it hurt, it really hurts them. It, they, they, struggle with that. Uh, with Buck, his bat speed and his, his strength with the bat in his hand is, is so exceptional that he can get away and, and just his raw talent. I mean, he can get away with uh, the fact that his, the beginning of his bat uh, doesn't stay in the, in the zone, a, a big, di- a, a long distance uh, like, um, guys that are a little bit more consistent um he can make up for that kind of into the zone at the ball and then back out you know quickly because when i say quickly i mean it's it's rapid It's got he's got tremendous bat speed and he can uh he's also shown the ability uh, to uh, hit breaking ball strikes uh he's shown the ability to like he did um Yesterday, I believe it was uh, it were two strikes, just poked the ball to right field for a base hit, just battling a two strike at bat. Uh, so he's got all kinds of ways that, uh, that he can continue to be successful. But I, I think now it's got, he's going to go through little streaks like this periodically because just because of those mechanics, I think, um, and he'll get out of it, but uh, it's, it, it it hurts him to be out of the lineup, I think, and and we and when he goes, it, it can drive him get him mm-hmm. into some of these streets because he's such a feel uh, type of hitter. Um, and I think now it's in his head a little bit. It, is it as it is for everybody? Uh, it it can't help it. You go through a slump like this, and no matter how how much talent you have, um, things start getting. Uh, magnified in in your mind. Um, You you see guys all the time when they're in slumps. One of the biggest, one of the things that stands out to me is not the fact they're not getting hits. It's the pitches that they normally crush that they get, that get fouled back or, and and then, or your mind gets a little goofy and you take a fastball down the middle or you take a pitch you should have hit. And then, and as a result of those kinds of things, you get yourself in tough counts and then these, you know, good big league pitchers, you know, work on you, uh, with, you know, get behind in the count and, and now all of a sudden you see really punishing pitches and that's kind of what's going on with Buck. He's, you know, he's just in in a a streak right now where, uh, he'll hit some balls hard at people and then he'll make some, you know, some mistakes, uh, either taking pitches. He, he, uh, he should have hit or fouling those, uh, you know, fouling good pitches back, good pitches to hit. You know, fouling away instead of barreling them up, and it's the nature of the beast when you're when you're a big league hitter.
2: Lavelle, uh, you have spent even more time in the Twins clubhouse than I have, and I've spent a lot of time in the Twins clubhouse since I started covering the team in 1993. Do you view the uh, unvaccinated players not being able to go to Toronto as just a little blip, uh, or is it something that could be problematic in that clubhouse?
0: Well, I think it's pl- problematic to um, the twins having success. I, I just go back to when this whole thing started. And uh, I remember the St. Louis Cardinals had a really bad outbreak, and they lost like two, two and a half weeks worth of games. And it really was a mess for them. And the next year, um, the Cardinals were the first team to be fully vaccinated. So they learned their lesson. Um, we have some people over there with the twins who have not learned their lesson because um, Max Kepler, um, is an anti-vaxxer and he he caught the virus and he came back and he was weaker because he never regained his strength and he wasn't the same player the rest of the season and he's still anti-vaxxer and he is sitting you know on his ass right now not being able to go to Toronto to help the twins break this losing uh, streak. Um I know nothing about Matt McGill um but um also we have Emilio Pagan and Kale philbar Who are not uh, in Toronto because um, they are uh, because of their beliefs, and I I I just think that um, and and just being a sports writer and listening to some of the reasons from various athletes, because why um, they won't take the the vaccine is just head scratching for me. I mean, the Vikings met with the leading um, disease expert with the University of Minnesota. he was getting questions like, "Why well, here this uh, vaccine can make me sterile?" or I could hear this, this vaccine to make me blind?" And he was trying to explain to them that um, some of these uh, notions are are are, are, are kind of crazy here. so um you you make a choice, and I know uh, everybody has a choice to make. But, um, you hurt your employer, you hurt your team, you hurt your teammates by doing these things. And when the majority of people are have agreed to take the shot and you 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 don't and it's not for religious le- uh, reasons, I just have problems with that. And I just think these players deserve the criticism um for for making the that decision, especially now when the Twins are playing their worst baseball this season and they're about to hit uh, a serious stretch in their schedule.
2: And there's another interesting aspect to get into now that the Twins are traveling to Toronto, and that's that they're going to be seeing Jose Barrios. They're also going to be seeing Jose Barrios right after uh, Pagan gave up, you know, threw up, frankly, a Frankly, he's had a pretty good year so far, but he threw a terrible pitch on uh, on Thursday and it ended up costing them a game. And uh, it's probably a good time to revisit the Taylor Rogers. And Jose Brios trades, uh, Roy. Do you have any opinions on on either or both of those deals at this juncture?
1: Well, the uh, Taylor Rogers trade uh, looks awful now, uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously, um, it, uh, and not because of the home run yesterday. Pagan's been pretty good. I think yeah. he's a he's a serviceable uh, uh, reliever. Is he? <clears throat> is he the bona fide? Uh, closer on a uh, pen, uh, contending team, um, or even eighth inning. Yeah, I mean, I, I you really you really look for the uh, the, the total emergence of uh, Yuan Duran, you know, as that guy just because of because of that stuff. And it, but I but I think Pagan is is uh, you know serve, serviceable. I mean, home runs are going to ha- this this is, is going to happen. You throw bad pitches once in a while. And he's been pretty good. He really has. He's um, he, he's been a little bit of a uh, uh, butterfly in the stomach uh, for uh, the manager and fans uh, occasionally. But he's gotten he's gotten through it. I mean, uh, Dennis Eckersley gave up a home run to lose a world a big World Series game. He, you know, it, it happens even to the best closers. And uh, so I think I think that part of the trade, if um, if the starter they they got. Uh, Turns out to be uh, to inter- turns out to be a good player, a good pitcher. Then I, I you know, even though he's hurt right now and makes the trade look terrible, uh, it might. It, it, I think it still is a decent trade because you have to look at if you don't trade Taylor Rogers, then you've got a 31 or how old he is 30 something uh, year old guy that's going to uh, be a free agent at the end of the year and command a whole bunch of dough. And yeah, you could have kept him. Uh, I, I think that not making the trade looks really bad if you get through the season and then he, and he's and he gone and you've got nothing for him. So these things always go can go either way. Right now
2: it feels uh, like the, the Twins made a bad deal, but I don't think they did. One other note here before Lavelle offers his answer is that Taylor Rogers lit it up early. He has allowed seven earned runs in his last one and two-thirds innings. Has had three bad outings in a row, so uh he's not. You know, it, the the Twins aren't staring at a zero 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 Taylor Rogers ERA anymore, and having to regret that as ERA is up to like three twenty seven, which is comparable to the Gons Lavelle.
0: Um, I well, the Twins weren't making any headway in their uh efforts to sign Barrios, and so I could understand the reasoning for trading him as much as. I wrote about at the time about um, you. D- you drafted and developed this guy. You know what he, you know what his makeup is. You know how hard, how hard of a worker he is. Um, these are the type of people you're supposed to keep. Um, but I think Brios was enamored with going out in the free agent market and seeing what he could get. And I think the deal he got was the, the Twins said he did really well with that with that uh, contract. He ended up signing with the uh, with the Blue Jays. Um, I don't think the Twins brass is comfortable with signing a pitcher for seven years or whatever years that uh, Brio's got. I think they're more interested in three or four years just because of the volatility of of pitchers, which is understandable. But at the same time, I thought that if there's anyone who deserves a chance to have a deal like that, it would be Jose. But he has gone haywire for Toronto. Um, He's getting hit. He's not striking out, guys, and uh, there's um, something wrong there with him that he's trying to work through. Um, I, I, uh, he gave up like six runs in his last outing, and I'm sitting there going, whoa, boy, this is not those eight that the Twins had. Um, still looking back on it, if I'm the Twins, I, I would still seriously think about keeping him in the fold because uh, look at all the things they had to do to try to make up for it. Uh, they went out and traded a 102-mile-an-hour Pitching prospect to get Sonny Gray, just to basically be a, a Barrios replacement in the rotation. You know what I'm saying? So um, that, that that's just a tough one for me. Um, I don't. I, just a general principle: the Chris Paddock trade should never have happened. As soon as I read that the New York Mets were trying to trade with the Padres, and they looked at Paddock's medicals and said, "No way, we don't want to take the risk here." Um, but the twins were willing to take on the risk of Chris Paddock. Okay. This is, it's going to be very difficult for the twins to come out smelling good, uh, after this deal because the, the, the chances of a pitcher being able to be effective in Major League Baseball after two Tommy John surgeries is way low. It's way, way low. And now, uh, Paddock apparently had, uh, one of those, um, um, primary repair jobs uh, on an elbow. And I'm sure the twins are going to say this is going to give him a chance to to pitch. Well, but this trade should never happen. Now, Taylor Rogers is a good reliever. He's hitting the bad stretch now and probably playing in the NL West. That's maybe some of the teams have seen him a couple times and they're trying to make adjustments, but at the worst, Taylor Rogers is still a functional left-handed matchup setup guy uh, who can help a bullet fan. Um, uh, him as a full-time closer yay yay maybe yes maybe no um but he could still be an effective reliever um and Emilio Pagan he's got good stuff but his fastball's straight as hell and uh we saw what happened he let a 195 hitter take him out of the park yesterday I just I I I just think the pad trade should never have been made I wrote about it in my uh, 3-2 pitch column a couple weeks ago a weeks ago and I'm not moving off that point Uh, I think that um The Twins made a mistake by going after a guy who's already had uh, Tommy John surgery and whose medicals apparently showed some warning signs that something else could have happened.
2: It's too bad because I think I like the way Paddock was starting to develop into a a pitcher. He started looking comfortable here and then he got hurt. Uh, And then there are questions that should be asked about the Twins medical evaluation of that. Uh, More Twins stuff to come here. First, Lavelle, tell us about Perfect Ash.
0: Perfect Ash, located in Grove Heights, Minnesota, has over 340 different brands of cigars. If you want to go and smoke a nice cigar, I did yesterday. I actually stopped by there yesterday and talked to Patrick O'Connell, um, the owner and former Gophers lineman. Um, that's in football, by the way. Uh, and I picked up a tool from Wente, Double Chateau Maduro, and it was a wonderful smoke. Watched the final three innings of the Twins game. So, yes, I was aggravated by the time I left the cigar shop, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, go there to have a nice cigar and sit there with uh, your fellow cigar-smoking friends and, and have a nice time. Perfect Gas, located in Immigrant Heights, Minnesota.
2: Thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. And thanks also to our friends at TSR Injury Law 612 TSR Time. We did a recent edition of the John Krasinski Show from the spacious, beautiful offices of the new TSR Injury Law uh offices up, down in south bloomington uh they have moved into this beautiful space because they keep winning cases for their clients if you are injured you want their help 612 tsr time 612 tsr time uh brios ERA right now by the way is 5.62 and uh you know if I, was, I, I think that has a better chance of looking good long term for the twins in the rogers trade because Rodgers was at least going to be a good, a functional member of your bullpen. Uh, Barrios, I mean, love the guy, love so many things about the guy, uh, love the work ethic, the attitude, all those other things. But boy, signing somebody who never really had that breakthrough to stardom to the amount of money and the length that he has, that, that there's risk there. Let's face it, there's just risk there. And if Austin Martin, you know, come on and become a good player, or if Richardson becomes a good player, the Twins probably win that deal. But that's my opinion. What do you think, Roy? I,
1: I'm with you on the on the uh, on that. I've never I, I've never been a as big a Jose Brios guy as most everybody was, including Lavelle, evidently. But I, he he has uh, the great work ethic, a great attitude. I love the kid, uh, but as you say never really with the stuff that he has he's never really figured out how to be uh, uh, dom- commensurately dominant with you know with his with his, with that stuff and i watched i watch him pitch and watch him pitch and watch him nibble and watch, and it, it was sooner or later he's afraid to throw his fastball a lot in order to set up a what's a great breaking ball he misses with the fastball an awful lot, especially when, the, you know, things get a little tight. He'll go, he'll go, you know, ball four, uh, ball four, three and one, or he'll say, okay, I, I, these guys are going to hit my fastball. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw curve balls and he'll throw it, you will throw, throw it, throw it, throw it until he gets a couple guys on and hangs one. And it's a home run. I mean, I just, I saw it too much. And it's, it's not, it's not like he's a bad pitcher. I'm not saying that, Uh, that his stuff doesn't work really well in a rotation in the big leagues. But in my view, uh, three years ago or so, I just came to my own private conclusion that he was not going to be a number one uh, for the Twins or or anywhere else. And if he wants that kind of money, then – um, i you know i i make a trade for him uh there and, and try to and try to do the best the best that i can i i just don't think and i you know obviously i disagree with uh, Lavelle about uh, the panic and about trading uh Taylor rogers because i don't believe he was going to be a closer ever uh he has too much trouble against right-hand hitters to uh um, you know to to be a, a dominant closer so to Lavelle's point he's a, he's he would be an excellent. Eighth inning setup guy against a you know in a matchup against left handed left handed hitters. So then the question is how much how much do you pay that guy uh, to uh, be the eighth inning guy against against left handers when he's thirty however old he is. So uh, my philosophically Lavelle and I you know disagree about uh, about that uh, about. What you do with pitchers if there's a if, if there's a chance to lose them for for big money and you're not absolutely sure uh, that that's the right you know that 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 that's the way you spend the money.
0: I agree with your take about Rogers. I my problem is trading for Paddock based on his medicals. Um, if you move uh, Rogers for a different uh, starter who's a little more durable as a of a history of durability, I'm fine with that. Um, but um, I, I, I'm more concerned about the Paddock. Um, medicals than anything with that deal. And I I, I get you on burials as well. Um, but the thing is, is that the price of keeping a, a average to good pitcher is $18 million a year. And in order to hold on to those people, you're going to have to pay up. And that's that's just the reality of the moment when you're trying to hold on to uh, pitches. But I see where you're coming from.
2: Yeah. And I also think that in this market, we also deal with the emotional aspect of the fan base, which is they are paranoid that the Twins aren't going to pay their own people. And they know that the Twins have had trouble developing their own pitchers, and it's hard for them to see someone at the top of the rotation go elsewhere. But I, I got to go back to you know what Roy's saying here is you can't, you can't overrate or overpay people just because of that emotional history.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, another thing about the uh, Barrios trade, too, is that they got Austin Martin Austin Martin, Austin Martin back as part of the package for uh, Barrios. He he looked good last year. This year, he's only hitting 250. I don't know what's yeah. going on with him right now. He's not hitting for power. He's still on a lot of bases. I think he has 20 stolen bases, but um, his batting average is low, and I know they're trying to get him to change his swing to um, develop more power, but as we see in Major League Baseball right now, Uh, I think pitters are starting to make adjustments because of the baseball and not uh, changing their uh, swing planes. So I don't know if they have to remake that with um, Austin Martin. Meanwhile, Simeon Woods Richardson was throwing 92 miles an hour last year. He came to camp this year throwing 95, and he's actually thriving at AA Wichita right now. So I would say if either one of those guys makes it to the majors and is productive, then it's a win for the Twins.
2: I agree. Hey, let's and talk and about something.
1: Oh, one final point. about uh, you know the the whole discussion is just from a personal standpoint.
2: Uh,
1: if I the the one thing I can't stand is you know you can make a bad trade, um, you know a trade that do- ultimately doesn't work out. Uh, you can make some decisions about uh, you're going to have to make some decisions about how much you pay for somebody. Uh, but the thing that I hate is. Uh, somebody goes. One of your guys, good players, has value around baseball. Uh, goes to free agency, uh, with, and you get nothing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't like the compensation uh, for losing a free agency nearly as much as I like getting young players in return. If you really think that you can't sign somebody, and so you know, these are two examples for me where I, I think the jury is is really going to be out on. Um, I mean, I think the Brios trade was a good one. I, I, uh, I understand Lavelle's talking about paddocks you know that medical history that's a, that's a variable that is not usually a, 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 an issue with most of these most of these trades. I, I just think the worst thing that you can do is let somebody go for nothing. I, I just I, I started uh, way back when for me, but when when they let Tory Hunter go, I, I, I mean I was an adamant uh, signed Tory Hunter. I don't. I don't care. I don't care that he wants, you know, five years. And you think he's, you know, in this particular instance, uh, he's he's older. You don't want to give him five years. I mean, I think for position players, uh, you 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 pay up a little bit and realize that you have to amortize the five years over a three-year period because he's still got at least three years left, and, and he's too good a player to let go. And then he goes around and plays, plays for another eight years at a high level, whatever it was. And that that was just a, a poster child for me. Is get something. You know, I wish they could would have kept Tori, but if they weren't going to ke- keep him, get something. Don't don't get a draft pick.
0: And good athletes usually age better than uh, non-athletes in baseball. And Tori was a fantastic athlete.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and also very dedicated and t- t- took great care of himself. Uh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a miss. Uh, you either needed to trade him for value or you needed to sign him. That that was an absolute miss by a front office that made a lot of great decisions that decade. They blew that one, I believe. Uh, that was a hey, Bill Smith move. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I don't think Terry Ryan lets that happen. I think Terry would have either traded him or signed him. Bill kind of let it play out and didn't communicate very well. And yeah, it was a, that was an absolute mess. We're going to wrap up this show, believe it or not, the way the Twins are playing. We're going to wrap up the show on a happy note. I want to let you know if you'd like, you know, listen, hey, the Twins are going to be in it and interesting all year. This is the best uh, Twins show in town. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can reach our sales executive, former Twins uh, salesperson, Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. For today, let's wrap up with a discussion about Louisa Rise. Who is becoming my favorite twin? Let's start with Roy. Just on what makes him such a good hitter. I've Talked about Luis Arise a lot. I have,
1: and you know, various various places. What makes him such a good hitter? And it all it always always starts with his mindset. Of uh, nope, that's that's one a one b one a is he has a swing. Plane and the ability to get the big end of the bat to pitches pretty much anywhere uh, in the strike zone. There, there's not a loop in his swing. There's nothing that prevents him from, uh, from getting the big end of the bat uh, to the ball, and then one, just because of his swing plane. 1B is the fact that since he knows that he can get the big end of the bat to the ball, he has he decided early on, it looks like that he was going to watch stay on the ball, watch the ball a long time, let it travel, because he was not going to get beat uh, enough on fastballs to make him be in a hurry. He was going to watch it a long time. So then what results from those two things is that he, he very rarely gets fooled. The, re, the way hitters get fooled, is to be hypersensitive to getting the bat head out in front of uh, catching up with fastballs and makes them vulnerable to, uh, to just about everything else and also makes them vulnerable to location uh, on, on the fastball, different locations on the fastball. He's not vulnerable to that because he, wa- he, he watches it a long time. He's content to hit fastballs to center field and, and his opposite field and it, it keeps him on breaking balls. It allows him, a guy that knows the strike zone well anyway. It allows him to be absolutely, absolutely sure of the strike zone when he's up there because his head's still. He watches. it, He lets it travel a long ways. And I, I'm to the point now with Luis Ariz that he needs to be telling umpires um, where the pitches are because <laughs> he, he sees the ball better than umpires, way better than umpires. If he takes a pitch and doesn't just turn around and walk back to the dugout on strike three, it's a ball. He, he knows where the pitch is. He knows it, I mean, as well as anybody uh, that I've, I've ever seen. So there's just a, a multitude of, of, of things that uh, that make him a, a really terrific hitter. I really believe that because of his, uh, two years ago, I thought they're going to start pitching him up hard and, and in hard. Because he waits so long and he's you can't get him out on change ups and breaking balls and stuff because he waits so long. There's only one defense against that, and that's to pitch him in under his hands. And we'll see if he can adjust to that. And what he's figured out, it looks to me like, is that he said, I'll go ahead and pitch me in, because two things are gonna happen. One is I'm gonna look for it in there and I'm gonna make you pay, which he's done already. And the second thing is you can't throw the ball on the inside corner enough times to make me worry about that. It's going to be either as many times as you throw it on the corner, it's going to be either inside off the plate ball or down the middle. And I'm going to tattoo it. He's got a great he's got great hitting mechanics. He's got a great mindset for his hitting mechanics. And he's proven to be a smart. He's got a great eye and he's proven to be smart about how to adjust.
0: Roy, you're singing my song here uh, about uh, Arias and his strike zone awareness. I mean, we saw the game a couple week, weeks ago at the target field where um, I think it was the uh, pitcher Stomont for the Royals was throwing. And he all three strikes that the umpire called were balls. And, and it was in a tight situation. And Arias looked at him like, I really want to hit you with this bat right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he, he walked off to the dugout. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about what what point does a pitter who knows a strike zone when, when does he start getting the benefit of the doubt here? I mean, we used to have the good hitters in baseball, you know, get that benefit of the doubt. And, you know, like Joe Maher. well, if Joe didn't swing at it, it must not have been a strike. And at what point does the rise, at what point do umpires, see that with Luis Arise. I, I just, uh, it, it it baffles me. He won me over, um, I want to say three, two, three years, three years ago when um, the Twins were playing the Seattle Mariners. This was before Edwin Diaz, who throws 101 miles an hour, um, got traded to the Mets. And um, Arise stepped into the box. I Actually, I think someone got injured. And I, I think Luis had to replace him in the middle of the, the, the at-bat
1: and he That's exactly to, what
0: happened. Right. And he proceeded to fall off like six pitches, you know, 100, 101 miles an hour. And the fans were like, Who is this kid doing this? You know, and fan, I think Luis ended up drawing a walk or something, but it was like the, one of the greatest of bats ever um, for a young guy coming in cold off the bench to stand in against a guy who's just throwing major gas and be able to handle himself. So, um, yeah, this, this guy has special ability. And, it's a fantastic story because, um, he's not an athlete. Um, it's not like he's super skilled at a position. Um, you know, the twins looked at him, you know, as a, as a prospect down in Venezuela and, uh, the, the scout was like, I'm sorry, I can't give you more than $20,000. And, and Luis thought that he wasn't going to sign a baseball contract. He was ready to go to college and, you know, the scout left his house and, Luis and a buddy go out, and they go hang out for a while going, yeah, I got to start thinking about going to college and figuring out what I'm going to do with my life. And he comes back to the house, and the scout's back at the house going, I got another $10,000, so I can offer you $30,000. And Luis agreed to sign for $30,000. And that's how the twins got him. And, and you, you see the talent here. You're like, wow, how, how it's amazing. We get so infatuated with power and physical ability. And projecting bodies, and this guy's going to fill out and be a massive monster when he uh, gets to be 22, 23 years old. And we can't sit there and say, this guy is a gifted man with a bat in his hands. He can place the ball. He can shoot the ball. Um, He's got great hand-eye coordination and allow that type of person to flourish in the organization. And, you know, kudos for the twin scout, whoever it was that uh, was able to stay on top of Luis to – to figure out a way to get the deal done, uh, or the Twins never get this guy. But you know, I think, I think in this in this day and age, I think Luis is an entertaining hitter in the game. I I hope he stays in the bass box a little more and not like walk around home plate all the time in, in between pitches. But you know, when a good hitter is at the plate, you want to see him hit, regardless if it's a power hitter or an average hitter. And I want to see Luis arise hit every time he comes up to the plate.
1: Yeah, I got. I just have to add. I have to. I, I have to uh, answer Lavelle's question because it's it's something that that another thing that's that, that's important uh, to me. And when it, when is he going to get the respect from the umpires in terms of the of the uh, of the strike zone? I, I think I've mentioned before. I actually uh, I didn't feel like Joe Maurer got nearly the respect that uh, that uh, he should have gotten from home plate umpires. Uh, because of his knowledge of strike zone, uh, he was the other guy that saw the ball better than the umpires see the ball, and in terms of where it is in the strike zone. And I told Joe one time, I said, "This is none of my business," but I, I'd make a, I, I have a just a strong suggestion. You can you can tell me to you know go away, but I said I would never ask an umpire ever you know, uh, where the pitch was. If you swing and miss a pitch, for example, and then he's, I see, I'd see him turn around and say, was that high or was that outside or, you know, whatever it is. I said, you know where the strike, you know where it is. The umpires know you know where the ball is. Don't ever give them a reason to doubt that, that you really know. Because when you ask them and they go, well, why, how can you argue with me on, on, a, on, a, on a pitch? When he, you know, yesterday he was, you know, or last at bat he was, he was asking me where it was. Um, Joe was too nice to Guy to be as forceful with umpires as I thought he, he should be. I hope Luis Arise, and I'll tell you, if, if Luis Arise wins a batting title or, or finishes the top five, you know, for a full season, uh, then he'll start getting more and more uh, respect. But I, I hope that Luis Arise develops the ability to start telling umpires where, where the ball is. When they call it a strike and it's not a strike, to, to, to your point, Lavelle, Mm-hmm. You got to just, you got to tell, you, you have to tell umpires, never ask him. He, he doesn't ever have to ask because he, he doesn't swing at bad balls. And just tell him, you know, I know it better than you do. I see it better than you do. A ball, the ball is not a, not a strike. And then that's all. That's what you say. You turn around, you walk away. And then next time that happens, you say, that ball is not a strike. And he, the umpire says, yeah, it's on the corner. I go, no, I see it better than you. I know the strike zone better than you do. It's not a strike, and then leave it at that. I, I just think you have to you have to stand up when you have that kind of talent, a Joe Mauer talent for the strike zone, a Luis arise talent for the strike zone. You have got to assert yourself with umpires and let them know. Get have a get around the league that, <sighs> hey, this guy's telling you knows uh, the strike zone better than I do, uh, and I'm mad about that. But guess what? Pretty soon, you're not calling those pitches that stomp through them. You just you just won't.
0: I don't think it's in his DNA, though. I think he's too nice of a guy. And
1: well, that was the same way with Joe, Lavelle. I mean, yeah. you're right. You're right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, I think the big – one of the biggest fallacies for big league hitters is that if they're nice to umpires, the umpires will be good to them. And they will not. They will, they will mess you up at the worst times. And, <laughs> uh, and there's, there's just no reason – and I, and I don't mean be a jerk. I just mean don't. It, it, you can't. You can't treat umpires like like they know better than you do, or they're going to know better than you do. <laughs> just what's going to happen?
2: Last note on Luis Arise, He's a great competitor. You see it in every at bat. You see it in his willingness and his ability to move around the field. He's playing an excellent first base right now. I just love the guy, and I love watching him play, and we'll be talking about him and other guys like him as the twin season progresses. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to Roy and Lavelle, and we'll talk to you next week.